Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show. Back again for a fairly eventful weekend. Well, it has been a very eventful weekend, but before you can say, ha, we're back, you have to remember that we are now a contingent of three yet again. I'm back, baby. The podcast can be so much better now that I'm back. You can cut that out, right? Yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's amazing how in less than 10 seconds, the quality of the show went. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> we, while, you were, while you were gone, we elevated the podcast to be a more mature and insightful audience. And what we're asking you to do is come with us to this elevation. So what mom has basically said is... We've upped our standards. Now up yours. <laughs> okay, but what about the younger members of our audience that are probably we don't boarded out by those. that? We don't have any of those. You you are the younger member of our audience. <laughs> no wonder I get bored. I fall asleep while watching this. Well, okay. There you go. All right. Um, <clears throat> we didn't have a show last week. We didn't. We had other stuff going on. Um... Because we can't do too many weeks in a row. I know, especially this year. But It's COVID. You know, but before we get into any of the race or any of the other stuff, because um, there was a lot of stuff that's going on, let's talk about some of the other things that happened first. And first were some comments. I think he was trying to stir up trouble. Okay. Um, but comments made by Helmet Marco. And really, I think this was a matter of Nothing more than Helmet trying to take Silly Season to the extreme. Oh, well, I fully suggest that this comment is trying to force Mercedes to make a decision. Yeah. And really trying to box them into the decision of the will they, won't they. So in an interview with MotorsportTotal.com, because that said, is a premier motorsport magazine. Um, they apparently got uh, some tie to autosport. Okay. So it, it does give them some credibility. Okay. Just saying that, that you know, a little bit of an air there. A little bit. It's not built. <laughs> but it's also not autosport. It, it's not. and But, you know, build is normally... When, when Helmet Marco is really trying to stir up trouble, he goes to build. Because mm-hmm. Bill goes, oh, we'll, we'll print that. Well, yeah. In the original German. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but Bill prints whatever comes out of Bernie and Helmut's mouth. Yeah. All right. So what did he tell Motorsport, TotalMotorsport.com? Dot com. Well, he said that should Mercedes decide not to promote George and he becomes a free agent, Red Bull would take an interest in signing the driver. So who do you think he's goading here? Do you think he's goading Perez, who is doing fairly well to be a wingman to Verstappen by everybody's account? Or is he goading Toto to make a decision already? Yes. Oh. Honestly, I think it's both. Plus a little bit of, and and not even so much goading as 
kind of needling also George. Because now he makes Toto Wolf's life that much more difficult because conceivably George could go, well, you know, if you don't sign me, Helmut Marco says that he's interested and that would mean I would be driving against you guys at Red Bull. Yeah. <clears throat> but that would fundamentally go against the Red Bull driver program. And the other person that he could be goading is the Pierre Gasly Sonoda yes. uh, combo. I don't think Sonoda has any cons- You know, there, there's no chance that Sonoda, Yuki's getting promoted next year. No. Not, not an issue. That they'll, they'll keep Perez before they keep Sonoda. But for Pierre Gasly, it could be. You're also forgetting about one other person, Alexander Albin. Oh, he's completely out of the he's picture. Done. Oh. He's not coming back. Oh. Yeah. 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 He, he metaphorically crashed, burned, and has left the series. About the only way that Alex would come back is if they ran into a situation where they really had nowhere to turn for Toro Rosso. And it, it, you know, that that same thing um, that caused uh, Daniel Kvyat to get brought back in for a third time. It's because there was nowhere else for them to go. That would be how they bring Alvin back, and they'd bring Alvin back before they bring Daniel Kvyat back. Right, but I think that would take Yuki <clears throat> really screwing up to have that happen. I think they'd take keep Yuki over bringing Alvin. Well, the the question becomes around Pierre Gasly and does somebody else decide that they want to make a move for Pierre? That would be that would be an interesting move, but I don't know what seats would be available for that. Well, well that that's the problem is that <clears throat> if you look at where things could potentially shift around maybe over at Alfa Romeo maybe um maybe over at Haas but I doubt it and I can't see him wanting to make the move over to Haas right now that would be taking a step backwards um so you kind of go from the top. The second seat at Mercedes is either going to go to Valtteri or George. You mm-hmm. know that's happening. Um, I'm going to think that the two seats at Red Bull are probably secure, that they'll keep Perez around for another year. Well, what'll be the question? Truly. And, and I think this is where Red Bull may may have a decision to make. If George gets promoted, that puts Valtteri out of a seat. Right. Do you take a chance on Valtteri and let Sergio go? Or do you turn around and say, no, in terms of what we want out of a number two driver, Sergio's doing it for us. Mm-hmm. And would have had an extra year in that car. And what it mm-hmm. seems to be is everybody that moved cars, it's there's a, a warm time to figure out how to drive those cars. It's, Not just drive the car, but get but get embedded in the team. Right. Now, from a car perspective, everybody's going to be on the back foot next year. Correct. But embedded in the team and the trust in the team and all of those bits and pieces mm-hmm. that are intangibles. 
I thought Mercedes was already developing, like doing, spending the money to start developing the 2022. Most of the teams are actually developing into the 2022 now. But what we mean is the drivers don't, they aren't driving the 22. You know, they haven't had a chance to test drive it. They haven't gotten behind the wheel to see how it's working. They're still, it's still in drawings right now. Now, a couple of drivers have driven in the simulator what they think the car is going to be like, but nobody knows until, you know, we get to winter testing. Exactly. So, I, I don't think that, that this is anything other than Helmet Marco causing trouble. I think you're right. But, yeah, it was some interesting comments. Well, we find out later that I think he was definitely in a trouble starting mood this weekend. Yeah. So, also revealed this week was a full-size mock-up of the 2022 car. Mm-hmm. Um, was unveiled at Silverstone. All of the teams have gone out and put out pictures of mock-ups with their current livery on the new car. There was some weird swirly holographic-like livery that was on the the pictures that Formula One released and all of that. And, and a lot of promo pictures with the, the drivers currently on the grid. Okay. Um, as part of that, um, some video was posted on social media, well, circulated around social media, um, after Daniel Ricardo appears to have been captured on an open mic. That is the <clears throat> bane of everybody's existence. Yeah. So in the video that was circulated, he says, that, yeah, no, it's terrible. It's shit. It's worse. Oh. Yeah. That's interesting. So, during the official presentation later, Daniel said that, you know, I like the rear of it. The rear looks pretty old school. It reminds me of 2008 with that style, which is cool. The front is very different. But like all things, the more you stare at it, the more normal it will start to look. Which, again, kind of lukewarm in his approach there. So later on, he was asked about his comments Mm -hmm. and what he had to say. He said, I was probably talking about something else because to be honest, we were talking about quite a few things. To be honest, I do not recall saying anything like that because I actually thought it was pretty cool. I wouldn't have been that aggressive to it. Maybe it was the paint scheme, but I wouldn't have said that about the car. And he went on further to say, I'm actually curious now. Was I standing next to Lando? I don't swear around Lando because he's still quite young. You've got me there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I think the best part about that is that Danny Rick is concerned about uh, swearing in front of the child Lando. Yeah. Um, So also this weekend, um, Jensen Button took a shot at Daniel was a pretty good one unfortunately we didn't see it because it was in the post race the post sprint race coverage Mm. um where daniel was speaking live to simon lazenby and um jensen button and jensen opened the interview with looking at, at daniel and going wow you're up in seventh you're gonna get a nosebleed a a, a nosebleed because you're up so far Oh, yeah. And other than pointing out that Daniel thought that they were friends, 
he's like, yeah, I kind of deserve that because I haven't had a great season so far. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, you know, it's time for him to start turning things around. Yeah. So, as you'll recall, there were supposed to be changes to the pit stops in Hungary, starting in Hungary. Um, The intention was to remove the possibility that there might be some kind of automatic signaling going on and that they would be slowing down the pit. Now, they're not really significantly slowing down the pits. The pit stops. That's it. That they would be slowing down the pit stops, but it wasn't significant. It was like fractions of a second. Well, and the goal was that their their hypothesis is that in order to get to a sub two second pit stop, it is not human intervention that's making those lightning quick decisions that it's time to go, that everybody's done with the tires, that there is some sort of automatic triggering that's happening. And so Mm -hmm. to make it impossible for that, there is going to be a timing delay that says... Well, that was what they were going to do. It was this whole thing of making sure that there was enough of a delay to account for reaction time, human mm-hmm. reaction time in specific. So teams, what, what they've changed it now, and they've actually pushed it back, it's going to happen um, in Spa, it looks like, is that teams will have to demonstrate that the mechanic on each wheel gun manually presses a button that signals that the wheel is safely on and also that the button cannot be held down. Oh, okay is what they're doing. Um, according to Andreas Seidel, he says, on the technical directive, there was an update based on feedback that the FIA collected after they sent it out initially to the teams, which makes sense from our point of view. The main objective from this technical directive was to make sure pit stops are done in a safe way and anticipate to stop bad things to happen. The second thing is also to ensure that we are also on a level playing field in terms of the application of the regulations. So we are happy with that. The door is open for further changes next year. Okay. So some changes there. Um, Zach Brown, earlier this week, you know, knowing that this was the first full capacity and the largest sporting event to occur in the UK in over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted to step up and, and, and urge Formula One and the teams not to let their guard down around COVID-19. Okay. Um, now, and, and he said that he had concerns that the the nation, as in the UK, could face a rocky few weeks um, as COVID cases spike again. He said this right around the time that he tested positive for COVID-19 himself. Now, the important thing here is that he was vaccinated. He was fully vaccinated. He tests every day. He got the call on Thursday, letting him know that he tested positive. That seems very odd. Now, was he then not on the pit wall? He was not. Okay. Yeah, he was not present at Silverstone this weekend. I was unaware of that. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. It sounds like 
the contact tracing has still managed to keep everybody else clear. Okay. Um, and I'm assuming that they're just they're going to do testing if everybody else is, um, you know, they, they're still vaccinated, provided that they don't start showing symptoms. They're going to, you know, continue to truck forward. But he's got concerns, and I think, yeah, there's good reason to be. Oh, yeah. It's a little frightening. So what was your thought of the overall format of this weekend? Since this weekend was very different. Hated it, but not fully. Okay, so... It wasn't as bad as you thought it would be. But I still didn't like it. Okay. Um, Okay, so one of the hardest things I had to wrap my head around, and that would be something that you just have to get used to if they change the format, Mm -hmm. is having qualifying on a Friday was weird to me. Um, Not the least of which is when we have a, a race weekend, our plans are fairly ordered around that yeah and this idea that oh it's friday night let's watch qualifying yeah that's going to be a problem in a couple of weeks because normally we do our sci-fi friday and you know with lower decks coming out in a couple of weeks we have the season finale of loki coming up um we've got all these things happening isn't Picard and Discovery coming back too? Discovery is in the fall. Picard is next year. Okay. Something's coming up again. In Lower August. Deck. Lower Decks, August 12th. We're going to do sci-fi stuff. <laughs> I was trying to tell you that a whole while ago. And Denial. Guess, it's not just a river in Egypt. <laughs> well, I think it's also just that you never really listen to me. Like, sometimes I can speak the wisest words and you never listen. We'd have to question this wise words thing. But, so, the Friday night qualifying thing, that's hard to wrap my head around. Mm -hmm. Um, But what really bugged me was it's Saturday, we have a race, but we can't call it a race. Yeah, were, the, the dancing around the of... The dance on what it's going to so be called. qualifying didn't set pole. They called it the the Speed King. Oh, is that it? That, that, that's what Lewis w- was granted. He was granted the title of Speed King for the weekend. Or, or, or King of Speed. One of those. Something ridiculous like that. That sounds like something that IndyCar would use. It does, kind of, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so the sprint race... So everybody's concerned that the sprint race would be processional. I I had agreed and thought that that was a valid concern. And I thought the first couple of laps were kind of interesting. And then it got processional. And then as soon as the tires started going, Mm -hmm. it was like, oh, a few people changed places and we're done. So basically something happened in the first lap and it kind of got... You know, it was like a couple of things, so, but there wasn't that flat out passing that everybody promised us there would be. Well, what they promised us is that we'd see it all through the the sprint race. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, if you think about it, there was no way that was ever going to happen because we never get that to begin with. Right. And we don't get that because the drivers can't push or anything like that. It's because the performance differential between these teams is such that after a couple of laps, it the race settles into what the race is going to settle into for the most part. And, and 
actually the, the one who predicted this right on was Carlos Sainz. He called it that what this would probably lead to is seven really exciting corners and then everything will settle down. Yep. And that was really what happened. Now, it was nice to see that that there was some actual fighting and, and some, some good challenges early on. But the question that I have truly around this is what made this interesting was... And, and I hate to say it, and it's going to drive you nuts, but it was the tire situation. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it made sense for some of the, the drivers, at least, to start off on the softs instead of running the mediums. Mm-hmm. And that speed difference, like we saw with, with Fernando Alonso, in the beginning, paid off really well. Right. It, but before the end of the race... It fell off. It, it, the, the tire wasn't good enough to make it all the way through the race, and that put him in trouble. And I, I do think that Lewis and Max in particular were pushing hard, which is why we saw the mediums go off as quick as we did. Mm-hmm. But they were both pushing hard. Right. And it wasn't like one was and the other wasn't. They were both pushing hard. And we saw what we saw. Right. Now, I also think that the other thing that was a very true concern was we saw Perez go off the track. Pushing, missed it. He spins off the track. He does damage. Mm-hmm. And now they're on the back foot to put him back together again. And yes, that could happen in qualifying. And yes, it has happened in qualifying. But we've now put extra damage on a car because you had it run an extra race. Yeah, but that also got Red Bull a couple of hundred grand bump in their uh, budget cap. What do you mean? Because he suffered damage, red the the way they changed the rules for the sprint race, that actually granted them extra room under the budget cap to deal with that damage. Now it's not necessarily enough to cover all of it, mm-hmm. but that hit is a lot less, and I think it's something like five hundred grand that they got for that. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. So then what stops somebody like a Williams from going, hey, Latifi, miss the corner. <laughs> if if there's damage. But but that was the other thing. It wasn't just that, that he suffered damage. It was suffered damage. And I think also the decision to start from the pits mm-hmm. that gave him that other piece. Well, and they decided to do that so that they could do other thing, changes to the car. Right. But it, but it was... It freed up that. It allowed the extra grant under the the budget cap and some of these other things. So all in all, full stop, I didn't really like it. I don't think it added anything to the weekend. Now, I wasn't there in person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they had quite the crowd. And for the fact that it was the first major sporting event in the UK in over a year and they had capacity crowds... There was probably something that was super exciting that made it different and fabulous for the in-person crowd. Well, if nothing else, it gave the Saturday crowd 
a Formula One race to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but I wouldn't advise it to become the format. And and, and I, I think what the the real question is going to be how it plays out for the remaining tests. Um. I, I think there were some factors that allow it to work as well as it did at Silverstone that may not be present elsewhere. Mm. Um, and, and a lot of that had to do with the, the tires and how the tires handled and how close they were for this track. Yeah. And I don't know if we're going to see that at some of these other tracks. The, the other question becomes the penalty situation. Yes. So, and, and and I left this in here. I, you know, normally if this was a qualifying incident, I wouldn't have talked about it and I would have just let it go. But for the sprint race, talk about it. So there was the um, incident between Russell and Sainz where they were side by side into Brooklyn's. Um, George locked his brakes his brakes and understeered into the Ferrari. Um, Signs was pushed fully off the track and the stewards deemed that George was responsible for causing a collision. Um, what they said, what the, the FIA said in, 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 as to why they, they assessed the penalty is that the stewards note that breaches of the regulations of this sort in a race normally result in time penalties, which are scaled based on normal Grand Prix race lengths. But both because of the shorter length of sprint qualifying and because it is used to establish the grid for the race, the stewards felt that grid position penalties as imposed here are more appropriate. Okay. So that's why George got his three grid place penalty for this incident. Now, George did come out and say after this race that this was not why he didn't get points this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, they they just were not fast enough this weekend. He not nearly as competitive as they were at the last race. No, oh, that was sad. Yeah, I mean that would have been awesome for him to have gotten his first Williams F one points at the home crowd. Yeah. So, speaking of penalties, yeah. So the massive wreck and it really was a big wreck that occurred on what was it turn seven lap one lap one going into copes i believe it was cops cops copes it's pronounced cops but it's spelled like copes because it's a copes of there used to be a copes of trees there it doesn't matter it's called cops we listened to them talk about it for how many times? So significant impact. Um, first off, measured at 51G impact. Ouch. Side impact as opposed to uh, a head or rear end impact and into the tires, not the tech pro. Mm-hmm. Um, Max was brought to uh, local hospital as a precaution he was released at 10 p.m. local time um, and is said to be, you know, checked out without any issues. Okay, well, that's good. I'm glad mm-hmm. he had no uh, 
injuries. But when he was getting out of the car, it was obvious that he was he was uh, he got hit pretty hard and winded. I think was the yes. statement you you made. And listening to the the radio, the radio was posted up on social media. Um, he was probably stunned pretty hard, mm-hmm. just on the radio from that incident. Um, also seen some video taken in the stands at the impact point. Um, they got showered with dirt and dust and whatever as Max came in sideways into the wall. It was, it was a substantial hit. Well, I was amazed that when they pulled back with one of the replays, they pulled back how close the fans appeared on the other side of those tires. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, we've, we've obviously been at tracks and you kind of you realize that you can be fairly close to the track in certain spots and i mean fairly close you're still 20 30 feet away yeah but but keep in mind that between the track and that and those barriers and the fans was a large gravel area right and he went all the way through the gravel right (laughs) so i mean from where the track was to where the impact was was also a large distance but it really reminded me of remember when we were at that uh indy car race at mid ohio and we were at turn one and there was the big wreck. Mm-hmm. And it like the guy just didn't make the corner. He locked yeah. up. Suspension went on him. He didn't make the corner. He went straight when everybody made a left. And while we weren't in that target area, there were people that were probably well, fairly close. But but the angle was a little bit different. Yeah. Because it, it wasn't yeah, coming at the people. The, the direction, it, when you overshot that turn... You were going into gravel and a wall. And the other thing that was on the other side of that wall was gravel and a straight. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we were sitting in a, and, and all the spectators were at a 90 degree angle from that corner. Right. But it was. It was just like being that close to mm-hmm. it. Um, but, I mean, it was a big impact. It was also a racing incident. Full stop. Well, that's the question and and there is a lot of debate and a lot of question around that Mm -hmm. from my perspective and what i saw and the way the way i look at it is again first lap yep hard racing between the two championship leaders who are still fighting for the championship Mm -hmm. you know it, it it's not even like one is 60 points ahead or 100 points ahead or, or already clinched that title. They're still fighting for the championship. Track position means everything here. There was no way that either one of them was going to back down. No. And the expectation from anybody that that would have happened is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So... I don't. I think that the stewards have become penalty happy. You and I had a great conversation at some <clears throat> point in the last week about the penalty happiness of the prior race, mm-hmm. and you made the comment that it really very much appears that Michael Mossy has not learned the lesson that Charlie Whiting um, had to learn. Yeah, you know, initially, and in, in our last show, I mentioned I, I put I put it squarely at. Um, um, Warwick at Derek Warwick's feet mm-hmm. and said that this was his fault 
now that we're a second race and we're seeing the same stuff and we saw Michael Massey stand up and go, yep, they, everything that they did, that was what we wanted to do. That's what we want them to do. I, I, I now lay this at Michael Massey's feet and, and I see this as Michael not learning the lessons that Charlie Whiting and Herbie Blash learned years ago that if you over-regulate and over-penalize hard racing, you don't get better racing. Right. And they learned it, but they learned it after Backlash. After, I mean, they had to go through it. And it took a while before they, you know, it was several races, if not most of a season, before it was that realization of this, this isn't making things better. And what we're seeing is we're not seeing the battles. We're not seeing the fights. And when everyone is concerned about a team that is dominating mm-hmm. and now nobody will race them because if they do, they, they get a penalty. What are we doing? Right. And there's just, should, in my mind, there should be no penalty for holding and, and pushing. And this, this wasn't like um, in Austria where we were, they were running right on the edge of the track right. and there wasn't a whole lot of room and they're going in side by side and somebody had to blink and the, the only choice was run off the track. There was plenty of room for both of them. Right. And they can turn around and say, well, Lewis could have been closer to the edge. Why did he need to be closer to the wall? He wasn't in the middle of the track. So why was it that he needed to be over more when there was that much more room on the outside for Max? Right. And the fact that it was in that much question and it took them that long to make that determination. And I, yeah, I, I, I get it that it was, you know, within a lap or two of the, the race restarting. But if you actually look at the time, it was 45 minutes to an hour of reviewing that incident mm-hmm. in slow motion, frame by frame. Yeah. In order to make that call. That was a racing incident. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And if you've got to think that hard about it, it had to be a racing incident because as a driver, you don't have 45 minutes frame by frame to make the decision and choose your line. It's like that. But, mm-hmm. but let's not forget about something. They gave Lewis a 10 second penalty mm-hmm. and he still won <clears throat> the race he did so yes he served his penalty and yes the race ended closer than you know the last pass was in the last couple Mm -hmm. of of laps it ended closer than it would have had lewis just kept the position without that loss but let's i mean i don't want anybody to say lewis won that because he ran max off the the track or caused the accident. Lewis won that because he ran Max off the track because that eliminated his number one competitor. But he took a pretty substantial penalty and still won the race. 
And if Max was still there, there may have been a good chance that he may not have won the race, though. Well, we'll never know. So was that your contrary point to the whole thing? No, there's more. (laughs) So from my point of view, and this is a much different point of view than um, either of them, because I have to, because, quote, I have to be contradictory, end quote, the mom. (laughs) The, the, my first name is now the. Just pointing that out. Anyway, yes, Hamilton didn't need to be so close to the wall. I'll give you that. But at the same time, it was Verstappen's corner. Lewis was alongside. It was Verstappen's corner. Never. Did he lick it? (laughs) (laughs) You don't know. (laughs) So the argument there is that because Lewis was not ahead, as much as he might have tried to have claimed it on the radio, because Lewis was not ahead, he needed to yield the racing line to Max. Mm -hmm. That's the argument, right? Not entirely. Because... What what do you gain is going... I'm not fully sure about my racing lines here. If Lewis went narrow, what would have... So the statement is that if Max was ahead, then Lewis should yield the racing line. And what that means is Lewis should yield the fastest way around the corner. Because if... And that way... Because the corners, they sweep across. And so instead of being pinched, which is what essentially would have happened... Lewis should have backed off and let Max go because he made it to the corner first. When you say it was Max's corner, that's the implication of that statement. However, dead. Oh, I thought you had a counter. You're looking at me like you didn't. I thought you had a counter to that argument. Well, there's a couple of things. One is the fact that, again, Lewis was on the inside. Mm Mm-hmm. There was nowhere else for him to go other than to completely stop. And you're talking the two championship leaders fighting for position, fighting for the title, fighting for points. But yes, Max had the natural approach to take the racing line that Lewis didn't. And there is also some argument that, well, you know, this was kind of cut and dry because... It was Lewis's front tire that hit Max's rear tire, which meant that Lewis was behind and should have yielded out of the corner. Mm-hmm. Where they were at that point, and, and the other argument is, well, you know, Lewis didn't hit the apex. He was going wide through that corner. Well, of course he was going wide through that corner. He was on the inside and couldn't take the racing line. Right. Well, if he went narrow into the corner went with the apex that that's still a bit of a racing line because that's like so the so the way the racing line works on most corners is to hit the apex of the corner you approach the corner from the outside cut in so that you're turning less to hit the apex and come out of the turn if you're on the inside yes it's a shorter distance 
But in order to make that turn as tight and still hit the apex, you've got to slow down more. So, so the racing the line is by starting from the outside to hit the, the apex to end up at the end of the turn on the outside again, you're slowing down less. You can take that turn faster. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. And that works on racetracks, not on city streets. New driver. (laughs) But, well, I wasn't going to be doing that on, like, city streets either. I know better. Good to hear. Um, Net-net. The stewards gave him a penalty. He served his penalty. He won the race. Lewis said in a post-race press conference, I don't think from my current understanding that I'm in a position to have to apologize for anything. We're out there racing. I heard that Max is in hospital and that definitely concerns me. None of us ever want any of us to ever get injured. That's never my intention. So I really hope that he's okay and I'll hit him up after this just to check that he's okay. We live to fight another day. There'll be a lot of tough races coming up and we have to learn to strike a decent balance. I don't agree with the stewards, but I take my penalty on the chin and get on with my job. I'm not going to whine about it. Everyone is going to have a different opinion, and I don't particularly care what people think. I just do what I'm really grateful for today. He then, on his social media, said, Today is a reminder of the dangers in this sport. I send my best wishes to Max, who is an incredible competitor. I'm glad to hear he's okay. I will always race hard, but always fairly. My team showed grit and perseverance out there. It's a dream to win in front of my hometown. My home crowd. Her home crowd. Thank you. So, Fernando Alonso's position is that, well, you know, Lewis couldn't disappear here. Yeah. He said, it's difficult from the outside. It looked quite close. Lewis had more than half a car alongside Max. So, in a way, Lewis could not disappear from the inside line. It's not that you can vanish. It was an unfortunate moment of the race, but nothing intentional or nothing that any of the two drivers did wrong, in my opinion. That was an unlucky moment. Daniel Ricciardo thinks it was squarely Lewis's fault. He's come down against Lewis. Um, In light of all this, and like I said, it was a very controversial incident. Yes. Um... Lewis Hamilton, according to Sky Sports, has gotten um, some fairly racist comments dropped on his feed as a result of this and backlash, um, which okay, is Okay, that's bothersome. just wrong. Mm-hmm. Absolutely full Absolutely stop. bothersome there. Wrong. Um, to the reaction, we haven't talked yet about the reaction over at Red Bull. Mm. And got to start off with Helmet Marco. He was in a mood this week. Well, yeah, he was in a mood. So going to Sky, speaking to Sky Germany, he said um, that he didn't think that this was a normal incident. He said, you can't do that with the normal sporting code. I don't know what the maximum penalty would be, but such dangerous and reckless behavior should be punished with a suspension or something. He said, if a competitor massively touches our front wheel with his front wheel then that's no longer a racing accident in the fastest corner of the course. That is a that is negligent to dangerous behavior. I do apologize, but I recalled countless times of seeing Red Bull drivers touching um, tires with other drivers. Uh, well, he says, he doesn't say that it was just simply 
touching drive. He said massively touches. Now I don't yeah. know what how, how you massively touch. What's, he says massively touch. What's his definition? What we need to figure out in like another <laughs> interview with him is what's his definition of massively touching. <laughs> Anything that affects his driver negatively is massively touching. But when Vettel pushed people off the track, or the number of times that Max made them eat dirt, which was totally what he was doing, mm-hmm. oh, well, that's just a racing incident. I actually now want to, now that I actually have some time to think about this, how does this compare to Vettel and Hamilton in Monaco? Back in the days when they were rivals. Uh, you're not thinking Monaco. You're thinking in Azerbaijan. And actually, the closest comparison there is it was when Seb rear-ended Lewis under the safety car and damaged Lewis to the point that Lewis fell back out of the points and Seb won the race, mm-hmm. even after getting a penalty. Yeah. That was when he break-checked him, or when he claimed that Accused Lewis Lewis break-checked him. Break-checking him. But this was not all of the outrage to come from Red Bull. Oh. So there were at least three messages that were sent to um, Michael Mossy. Mm Mm-hmm. Audio message. And rebroadcast, thanks to the FIA. Um, Total Wolf also... And he went so, up to race control. Well, and he sent an email, and then called him and said, "Did you get? Hey, my did email? you get my email?" Which, yeah, that that was, and yeah, of of course, Michael Massey is not checking his email during a race. He better be. Toto sent him an email. <laughs> yeah. How likely is that Red Bull is all run by a bunch of children? <laughs> That's not. That's not. So. In light of Helmut Marco's comments, Christian Horner said that um, the team would evaluate its options on whether or not to take this any further. Okay, but what does it really have to take it any further? He says, there are rights that are available to us, but I think unfortunately the result, the stewards are pretty set in their decision. I think it will be meaningless to take things further, but we'll look at it. We'll talk it through shortly, but that would be my initial reaction. So according to the to FIA rules, um, there's not a whole lot that Red Bull can do. Okay. Um, the the 10-second penalty that Lewis got can't be appealed. So Red Bull can't challenge that at all. Um, so what would actually need to happen is Red Bull would have to find some kind of new element relating to the incident that they could complain about. And they've done this before, and they did this to Lewis last year. Mm-hmm. They came up with, and I think it was around, um, it was around Lewis and and I think safety flags or, or yellow flags. Mm. It was Lewis or, or Red Bull brought some new video that they had managed to acquire that got Lewis hit with a, a penalty. That was. I don't recall if that was at the first race, but I, I remember it kind of vividly, was that it was, they could see how there was the light that ha- that blew yellow during Lewis's lap to show... It's in that. Monza. Was that, it wasn't the pit entry one. It was, he, 
It was when he slowed down and when he saw the yellow flag yeah. in, in Monza. Um, yeah. So, okay. So and Red Bull said, we have new video. Yeah. Here, give him a penalty. So that would really be their only option. Mm-hmm. There's really nothing there for them to do. Yeah. But, yeah, Red Bull... But don't okay. ever es- underestimate Red Bull and, you know, their sister in this plan, Ferrari... That they like to go back and at least let's try every option to see what sticks. And it's a spaghetti true strategy. Now, the the one thing that I will give Red Bull credit for, I, I, I thought it was a wise strategic move that they did today, was pulling in Sergio Perez with, what, three laps to go mm-hmm. to put him on softs to deny Lewis the fastest lap point. Right. I thought that was a brilliant tactical move. And th- I didn't have a problem with them doing that at all. That was that was, that was was a really good play on their part. Yeah. Um, the other comments that they've been making, not really thrilled about. The rest of the race, was, again, we've run into this the last, what, five, six laps of a race. You know, we, we get a good... Juicy start, mm-hmm. kind of things settle down a bit, and then the last five or six laps, like so many other times this season, got really good. Right. Got really, really good. And once again, we saw that with Lewis running down Charles Leclerc. Wow. Wow, that was fantastic. It really was. Yeah. There was actual audible like <gasps> moments mm-hmm. in that last bit. Like, is he or isn't he? Is he going to make this yeah. happen? Um, so Lewis wins his eighth British Grand Prix. Yes. And in response, um, or not Sebastian, uh, Max Verstappen said that, uh, watching the celebrations after the race while still in hospital is disrespectful and unsportsmanlike behavior. I, I do not, I cannot square that circle. I really cannot. So much like the screaming and yelling coming from um, Christian Horner and Helmut Marco about how Lewis Hamilton is such a dangerous driver mm-hmm. and so bad and yet silent all the times that Max was so aggressive that everyone was saying that they would leave him room because they couldn't trust him and they didn't know what he was up to and all of that. And yet they remained silent on that. I can't help but think back to Bahrain in 2020. And it was after the massive Roman Grosjean crash where Max Verstappen was second on the podium and was up there celebrating and spraying champagne and dancing around and smiling and happy and whatever, even though Roman Grosjean was in the hospital. Yeah, with arguably bigger injuries. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get it. This is the first time in a very long time that Red Bull has been fighting for championships. It is the first time in his entire career that Max has been a true contender for a championship. But you're pulling the drama queen card a little bit too hard here. Yeah. 
It's like how earlier on in the year they were asking for changes in the track limits policy because they lost out on a race win, a podium, um, Mm -hmm. a pole, and some other stuff. Yeah. They are incredibly quick to say somebody else is a poor winner or a poor loser Mm -hmm. or unsportsmanlike, and yet they are completely and utterly oblivious to their own bad behavior. And, you know... If by and, and and we've said this before, if Lewis had come out in reaction, he's done this before. Of he didn't like the podium, the 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 penalty, and he was upset by it. And they're just trying to hold him down. And you know he's seen this throughout his career. And they're just we'd condemn him for that again. Mm-hmm. We've done it in the past. We think it's stupid when he does it. If that was his reaction here, we would have condemned him for it. And if he was the one who was in the hospital and he took this attitude of, well, it's disrespectful because I'm in the hospital and I had to watch this. Guess what? I'd say, I'd say the same thing about him too. But I have to also wonder if Lando Norris had won. Mm-hmm. And you better believe that Lando would have celebrated just as much as Lewis would have. Oh, yeah. If not more. So if Lando Norris had won, would Max have pulled that little card of, oh, well, this is disrespectful and unsportsmanlike? No, he wouldn't have. Because it's only disrespectful if Lewis does it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I've got a problem with it. Yeah. So the FIA explained, kind of, why they handed Lewis the penalty. So what is the official... Uh, rationale. So the statement. The stewards reviewed video and telemetry evidence. Cars 33, which is Max's car, and 44, Lewis's car, entered turn 9 with car 33 in the lead and car 44 slightly behind and on the inside. Car 44 was on a line that did not reach the apex of the corner with room available to the inside. When car 33 turned into the corner, Car 44 did not avoid contact, and the left front of car 44 contacted the right rear of car 33. Car 44 is judged predominantly at fault. So essentially, they felt that Lewis should have turned in more. Mm. Even though there was plenty of room, Lewis should have turned in more to avoid a collision. Or backed out completely. Interesting. I... Neither one of those seem to be realistic decisions. I I disagree. I'm going to disagree, but I'm also going to be very happy that Lewis won the race. And the lead is down to eight points. Yeah. Yeah. So it's game on again. I believe we've got another week off, and then we head to. Um, Hungary okay. for the final race of the first half of the season. Awesome. Then we'll have a month off and then come back for spa. Yeah. I like it. And on that note, we'll call it a show. 
are so glad you came. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> okay. Are they all gone? Uh, is, is, there, is everybody gone? <laughs> huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. <laughs> a little break? Okay. Whew.